Hello and welcome in. Thank you so much for joining me. My name is Jay Zawaski. I am your host for your brand new daily Chicago Blackhawks podcast. It's called Locked on Blackhawks, and I cannot be more excited to get started. The Blackhawks kick off the season on Friday. There is so much to get to between now and Friday. Before we talk about the show, let me tell you about myself a little bit. Why are you tuning in? Why should you listen to what I have to say? That's a damn good question. Sometimes I wonder myself, but I'll try to lay it out for you so you know who I am, where I'm from, and why I've been chosen to host the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. First and foremost, I'm a lifelong Blackhawks fan. I've been cheering for the team, supporting the team since I was in my preteen years. I just fell in love with the Hawks uh, after a trip to the Chicago Stadium with my uncle, and I've never looked back. I'm an executive producer on 670 The Score in Chicago, Chicago's original sports talk station i have covered the blackhawks three stanley cup victories playoff runs the entire dynasty of the blackhawks i'm also a hockey columnist for 670 the score so you can find my work there at 670thescore.com i'm currently writing a book for triumph books called the 50 men in moments that define the blackhawks that should be out in the spring and i also host my own weekly blackhawks podcast called the madhouse chicago hockey podcast i've been doing that for five years now so the blackhawks are my life i live and breathe Chicago Blackhawks. I see every game. I follow every story. I talk to players. I've done events with Blackhawks players over the years from guys like Andrew Ladd, Brian Campbell, David Bolin, Jamal Mayers. The list goes on and on of the Blackhawks players I have some relationships with. I also have a lot of high-end sources that have helped me break stories before the national or local beat writers have been able to. So really looking forward to this. The format will kind of evolve as the show grows. As we grow an audience, we'll have more audience participation. My initial vision is to have a Monday mailbag where you guys can send me an email to get your questions answered. And of course, you could always tweet me at LO underscore Blackhawks. You can send me an email at LockedOnBlackhawks at gmail.com. And you can even leave me a voicemail, 708 708- 653-0572-708-653-0572. Leave me a voicemail and I will get to it on the show. So hopefully we can start rolling those out starting a week from today. I think to expect a whole bunch of feedback before the first show even airs, probably a little bit foolish, probably not going to happen. Um, but look, I'm really looking forward to this being interactive. Want a lot of fan participation. Day to day, we're going to be reacting to the news of the day, whatever it is. It could be an injury. It could be a new look in the lines. It could be a trade. It could be reaction to the game the night before. There's always something to talk about during hockey season. Hell, there's always stuff to talk about in the hockey offseason, and this will be the place to go. Locked on Blackhawks on the Locked on Podcast Network. We're going to get to the Blackhawks win in Berlin from Sunday. We want to talk about that game a little bit today. We also are going to begin our week-long previews of the central division. Now, of course, we're starting this Monday. There's six other teams in the central division, so this will carry into next week, but we're going to start scouting all of the Blackhawks opponents, and we're going to start with the hated Stanley Cup champion, St. Louis Blues. We talked to Brad Lee from stlouisgametime.com. Awesome Blues expert, a guy I've been following his work for years and years and years, and he gives us a great breakdown of the St. Louis Blues going forward. So this season, it's going to be a fun ride. For Hawks fans, I think this is going to be one of the more interesting years uh, in modern Blackhawks history. Look, when you're part of a dynasty, when your team is as good and as talented as they've been, it's more of how far can they go, right? Now that we've seen a couple years in a row of missing the playoffs, even last year, they finished strong, 
but there's still some questions, right? You're not sure, you know, can can Jonathan Taves have another career year statistically? How realistic is it that Patrick Kane's going to have another 110-point season? Can Alex DeBrinckit score 40 goals again? Is Dylan Strome truly, you know, basically a point-per-game player, which is what he was when he came over from Arizona? There are so many what-ifs about this team, and I haven't even mentioned the name Kirby Doc. I haven't even mentioned Adam Boquist. Haven't mentioned Robin Leonard or Corey Crawford. There's so many huge stories that are going to go into this season, and I'm really fascinated. I have no idea how this is going to turn out. Would it shock me if the Hawks were one of the better teams in the Central Division? No, it truly wouldn't because you look at the talent they have, you look at some of the talent they brought in, some of the problems they had last year defending, keeping the puck out of the net. You bring in Kelvin Nahan and Oli Mata, and while they're not the sexiest names in the world, they're definitely better than some of those guys the Blackhawks were rolling out to defend last season. So on paper, it's definitely a better team. But we just have to answer those questions of can the Stars continue to elevate their game or at least break even, right? When we're talking about Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves, can Duncan Keith maintain that level as well? Can Brent Seabrook stave off the decline that's been really going on since, what, 2013? We've been seeing a decline in Brent Seabrook's game. He's a little bit slimmer. He's shown some nice chemistry in the preseason with Ole Mata, who he's been paired up with most of the preseason, if not all. Kirby Doc has yet to play a game for the Blackhawks because of his concussion. So is he going to be able to jump in and make an impact without any sort of practice games whatsoever? He's on the roster. He's with the team in Berlin. Jeremy Cowton doesn't expect him to play on this trip, so they're probably bringing him along just to practice with the team and to experience a trip to try out Kirby Doc with the Blackhawks. If he works out, if they like what they see, they can keep him. If he plays nine games and they feel like, you know what, maybe he needs another year in junior, they can send him down and not burn that year. But if he plays more than nine games with the Blackhawks, they burn that first year of the contract. And Stan Bowman said, hey, if it's going to help us win this year to have Kirby Doc on the team, he's going to be on this team. So that, to me, is the story I'm looking forward to most. I want to know the story you guys are looking forward to most. Hit me up, LockdownBlackHawks at gmail.com, on Twitter, at LO underscore Blackhawks. And look, we really want to get this thing started off right. So if you have some friends that are Blackhawks fans, make sure you tell them about Lockdown Blackhawks. That will help us grow. It'll grow our audience. It'll increase our content. It'll increase our visibility out there in the podcast world. And that's really the best for everybody. So we're going to take a quick time out here. When we come back, we're going to react to the Blackhawks win in Berlin. That rhymes pretty clever. I made that up today all by myself. I wrote it down. Make sure you say win in Berlin no less than 27 times on the very first Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. But no, when we come back, we'll discuss the win. And uh, then after that, we'll talk to Brad Lee of St. Louis Game Time. This is Lockdown Blackhawks on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Welcome back into Lockdown Blackhawks. Jay Zawoski with you here. Thanks again for tuning in to the very first episode of Lockdown Blackhawks on the Lockdown Podcast Network. So glad you chose to jump on from the start. You're a hipster. You're a Lockdown Blackhawks hipster. You can tell your friends like, oh, I listened to that podcast before it was cool. Before anyone knew about Lockdown Blackhawks, I was subscribed. I actually heard the teaser episode. All right. I know Lockdown Blackhawks. Don't tell me. Now that you're a bandwagon Lockdown Blackhawks fan, you could totally hipster it up with your friends and get in their face and tell them how smart and clever and creative you are and how you know everything that's cool before it's cool. All right, if you were not watching the Blackhawks game against Ice Baron 
Berlin, which is the coolest name. Ice Baron. It's a polar bear. That's how I say polar bear in German. I figured that out. I did some research for you guys. Ice Baron is polar bear in German. You're welcome. See, you're already learning stuff listening to this podcast. So the Hawks, as part of the NHL Global Series Challenge, took on Ice Baron Berlin in Berlin and won the game 3-1. to one. And if you are, you know, I'm sure most of you people, most of our listeners, were watching the NFL or maybe watching the final Cubs game of the season. I don't think exhibition hockey between the Blackhawks and Ice Baron Berlin was high on your radar. I watched it so you didn't have to. So if you look at the box score and you see 3-1, to one, like did the Blackhawks truly struggle to beat a German hockey team? It wasn't even an all-star team. It's just like a German the German NHL, it's one of their teams. Did the Hawks really struggle to beat them? No, <laughs> they really didn't. Uh, Berlin hung in there. Their goalie, Sebastian Dom, he had to make probably five to seven A-plus saves. Saves that should have been absolute goals for the Blackhawks that just weren't. Sebastian Dom played out of his mind. I mean, he probably stopped. There's no official stats to find anywhere. This is such an NHL thing. We're like, hey, look at this cool thing we're doing. Did you miss it? Well, too bad. There's no information available about it at all. But just from my mind's eye, probably 30, 35 saves, and he didn't even play the whole game. Backup goalie came in, and that's when the Hawks got two of their uh, the, the game-winning and the uh, empty net goal by David Camp at the end. But the Hawks had the puck on the string. I, I did see a little bit of the Blackhawks having to adjust to the bigger ice surface. When you see that on TV for the first time, it is much bigger there's a lot more first of all there's a ton more room behind the net which i kind of like because it allows for some creativity behind the net instead of just a traffic jam all the time but you saw guys especially blackhawks players getting stuck on the ice for long shifts because they had to go so far to the bench that that was probably one of the things the blackhawks struggle with the most was how do you adapt and see these are the things maybe we don't think of as fans all the time but that's a big adjustment. It's not just, well, the ice is bigger and I have to pass it farther or whatever. It's I need more time and I have to have, have a safer play if I'm going to go change lines. That was probably like the only real thing I saw the Blackhawks struggle with. Corey Crawford started the game. Robin Leonard finished it. Leonard gave up a goal on the first shot he faced. It was a centering pass right in front. There was absolutely nothing he could do. But he did make some really solid saves at the end of the third period, while Berlin was sort of trying to get back in the game, it was 1-1 till well into the third period. Berlin actually had a four-minute power play after a uh, accidental high stick from Alex Nylander, and they had some decent chances on there. Uh, and Leonard stood tall. He was good. Then Alex Nylander uh, gets back on the ice a couple shifts later, uh, puts in a goal that was uh, a deflected shot from Eric Gustafson, ended up on Nylander's stick, he kicked it a stick, put a roof shot right over the goalie. Hawks went up 2-1. And then in the third period late, David Camp found a puck right on his stick and just shot at the length of the ice into the Berlin goal. So who looked good? Who looked bad? Who stood out? It's sort of hard to judge in games like this. Um, but some of the players that we've all been sort of keeping an eye on throughout this preseason, Alex Nylander, as he has for most of the preseason, looked good offensively. Scored a goal. I was watching his defensive game closely. It was fine. It was not silky level. He's not the second coming of uh, Marion Hosa or anything like that, but he was adequate in his defensive zone. Again, the thing with him is going to be long-term. Can he have a consistent effort night after night after night? Tonight's game, pretty good. 
pretty solid. I would expect him in the lineup on Friday. I feel like it's his job sort of to lose at this point. Um, maybe he hasn't quite earned it in some people's eyes, but I think when you look at the talent he has, when you look at the holes they have on the roster, it makes some sense for Alex Nylander to get a look. Uh, Dominic Kubelik is another guy. International trade uh, last year. They traded for his rights from the LA Kings. He came over and uh, has really impressed in the preseason and just has the look of an NHL player. He looks like he belongs. He's got the speed. He's got the uh, shot power and accuracy. Everything we've seen from Kublik shows that he belongs here. So more so than Alex Nylander, I think at this moment, he's the offensive player I'm most excited about. I think he has shown the most and he's been the most consistent from preseason day one until now the last day of the preseason uh, he he has been good, and he's been what the Hawks expected him to be. So Kubelik is going to be a big factor this year. I really think so. Uh, defensively, Oli Mata was out there blocking shots. Him and Brent Seabrook looked good again together. But again, they're playing up against the German League, so it's not necessarily top-notch competition. But look, they got out of this game with a win. They got out of the game healthy, and those are the two things that truly, truly matter. And look, some of the guys that you want – and you're sort of concerned about looking good, uh, they're looking okay as the regular season approaches here now on Friday. Oh, by the way, defenseman Dennis Gilbert laid out a huge hit, massive hit in the third period, reminiscent of like 80s hockey. So if somehow <laughs> highlight service of this game, I don't know, it's such a strange thing with the NHL and their lack of coverage on their own damn events, but I'm sure we'll get to that some other time. If you can see that Dennis Gilbert hit, try to find it. It was it was massive, and it was impressive. I don't know how much of a role Dennis Gilbert's going to have to start the season on the blue line. There's a lot of people in front of him, but had a big, memorable hit in the game Sunday. So now things start for real, and finally, man, this preseason has felt really, really long. And, and I think part of the disappointing part of this preseason is the biggest story of it has not even begun yet. Kirby Doc has yet to play a shift for the Blackhawks because of the dirty hit he took against the Minnesota Wild in Traverse City's Prospects Tournament, which doesn't count for anything, and all it did was get your top prospect hurt. Kind of annoying. <laughs> really annoying, actually, but look, he's still with the team. Like I said last segment, the Blackhawks have plans on giving him a look. He's going to play. He is very likely going to start his career with the organization on the big club whether or not he sticks we'll find out but look when you talk about the things that concern you with a player transitioning from junior to the nhl the conversation is almost always about size kirby doc has the size that will not be an issue for him he can step right in he has an nhl ready body so he's not going to get pushed around and yeah as he goes on through his career he's going to add some bulk and add some weight, and probably add some speed as well as he adds strength, but he's a guy who can step in right now and not get pushed around. I wish we had been able to see that in the preseason. I wish he had been able to get a look against NHL talent in the preseason, but it is what it is. The Hawks have to sort of cope with the situation as it is, and um, I can't wait to see him play, but more importantly, the puck drops on the NHL season on Friday as the Hawks take on the Philadelphia Flyers in Prague. But from now until then, we are going to preview the Central Division of the National Hockey League, the Blackhawks opponents, of course. You've got the Blues, 
the Dallas Stars, the Colorado Avalanche, the Minnesota Wild, the Nashville Predators, the Winnipeg Jets. We're going to start things off next with the St. Louis Blues, and we'll go on and on down the list into next week so you guys know as the season approaches what sort of competition the Blackhawks have and some players to watch on the other team. So when we come back on Lockdown Blackhawks, you're going to hear from Bradley of St. Louis Game Time and stlouisgametime.com. Follow him on Twitter, GT Bradley. He is one of the best independent blues voices you will find. He's going to give us an in-depth preview of the blues coming up next on Lockdown Blackhawks on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back into Lockdown Blackhawks. Jay Zawoski with you here. And my guest today is the editor and owner of St. Louis Game Time, Brad Lee. Brad, thanks for joining us for our Blues preview today. Hey, it's always fun to talk to our friends in Chicago. We get along great, right? Well, I'm sure it's, well, you know, this summer, I'm sure you're very anxious to jump on and uh, and talk some hockey because it was uh, a great offseason, obviously, for the Blues celebrating their first Stanley Cup in franchise history. So this year, uh, a little bit of a parallel with the Blackhawks and Blues in that they changed coaches midstream last year, and both teams had some success. The Hawks missed the playoffs by six points. Uh, the Blues obviously went on to win the Stanley Cup. When Craig Berube took over, what was the biggest change that happened for the Blues? And then sort of following that up, do you feel that the entire Berube system was implemented last season on the fly? Or is, are there going to be some more adjustments before the regular season starts this year? I think the number one thing that Craig Berube did when he became head coach was bring accountability to the dressing room. They had been aggressive in adding players. You know, they, they got Tyler Bozak and they brought David Perron back for a third time in free agency they had the big Ryan O'Reilly trade. Um, so at the beginning of the season, it was a little bit disjointed. Guys uh, learning different roles. You know, Braden Shen, two seasons ago, was the number one center. And he was the number one center on the power play. And suddenly he wasn't. So he really had to accept a different role. And you could tell. I, I don't think he was very happy. And, and his agent put rumors out that he was going to be available the trade deadline before they started winning in late January and into February. So, you know, there were some seeds planted that could have really blossomed into some big problems if they didn't turn around. But what Barubi did was, I mean, he basically said, you have to earn your playing time. So Pat Maroon, the, the hero of Game 7 of the series against Dallas, uh, he was a healthy scratch uh, January, February time frame. And we had heard rumblings that he was close to being put on waivers. He was, he was close to being released. He turned that into, I'm going to play my ass off so he can't sit me anymore. Um, there were some other guys, you know, Joel Edmondson, who was just traded for Justin Falk, which I'm sure we're going to get to in a second. Yep. He, he sat some of the playoff games. I think he sat at least one Stanley Cup final game. So I think the number one thing Baruby did was bring accountability and said, look, you know, I'm not going to take your crap and you have to earn your playing time. And I'm going to ice the guys who are doing their jobs and playing playing the system, playing hard. And if you don't do that, you're going to sit and watch. Uh, as far as him implementing, I think he had enough time. You know, he came in the very end of November, uh, beginning of December. I think they made the change right after Thanksgiving. So he had more than half the season. Now, you know, during the season, you don't get to practice that often. The, the schedule gets hectic. Uh, but I think, you know, from from the end of November through June, I would say that, that they played – eventually his his style of hockey and you know the fact that they only really made one major change not bringing maroon back i think shows that they pretty much had their uh, systems in place 
and they were ready to go. Well, you mentioned it, and let's get right to it. The, the Blues earlier this week made a major trade. Justin Falk finally traded out of Carolina after years and years of trade rumors. Joel Edmondson and uh, Bach was the prospect that went the other way to Carolina. How do you think Justin Falk's going to fit into an already right-side heavy uh, defensive core for the Blues? That is the question, isn't it? So there's uh, Alex Petrangelo, Colton Pareko, and uh, Justin Falk, all right-handed guys, all guys who play predominantly on the right side of the defense. Who gets the most minutes? You know, Pareko really cemented his reputation as a defensive shutdown guy. Mm-hmm. In the playoffs, he was basically tasked to, to go against the top line every single night. And if you want to ask Brad Marchand how that how that is, if you want to ask David Pasternak, they didn't they didn't fare too well against him in the Stanley Cup final. So uh, he has definitely earned a, a huge role on this team. They don't use a lot of defensemen on the power play. They use a lot of forwards on the point. So it'll be interesting to see if they go to more defensemen on the point on the power play this year. And then the elephant in the room is the captain, Alex Petrangelo, only has one year left on his contract. He makes seven, seven and a half. He will be a free agent after this season. So is it is it the Blues deciding that they need a top right-handed offensive defenseman to be ready for number 27 to leave in free agency this summer? Is it one of them's going to go over and play on the left side? We'll have to see how it plays out. But it, judging by what I said about Baruby, the guys who get the playing time are the ones who earn it. So the competition on the right side is going to be fierce. It's hard to say, man, the captain who raised the cup for the first time in team history can only be around for one year. I think it's legitimate concern now. Now, Falk signs a seven-year deal. um, And look, he's a good defenseman in his prime. Was there any sort of hesitation? I think the number is really nice. Six six and a half million, correct? Yes. Is the cap hit, which is perfectly reasonable. Here's the Here's here's the wrinkle. It's heavily front loaded the first two years. I think the first two years he makes nine million, mm-hmm. which doesn't affect the cap. But say in two years when they have the expansion draft, and if they happen to sign re-sign Pedrangelo, then Falk might be someone that they after a couple of years say, you know what, he's thirty years old. Uh, his contract really isn't that bad. His cap number is pretty good. That might be a guy that they say, you know what, we're, we're, we're gearing up to defend this year. We would like to go back to back. We, we have a window here these couple of years. Let's load up. And if he, they happen to uh, expose him in the expansion draft in two seasons, then maybe, maybe that might be their grand plan. It, it's definitely a possibility the way the contract's set up. However, he turns 28 this year. He's under contract this year. And then it's a seven-year extension. So he's under contract for. Eight, That's right, eight years, more years, yeah, into into thirty age thirty five range. That's a little, a little dicey. It's working out well for Brent Seabrook, who's got twenty seven years left with a no movement clause. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, yeah, I know. he signed that contract. Yeah. My daughter was in elementary school, and it runs till after she turns sixteen. <laughs> oh my god! So I mean, that is amazing. Please, let's drop it. Okay, um, <laughs> a couple more questions with Bradley from St. Louis Game Time before we wrap up. Jordan Bennington, awesome rookie year, awesome Cup run. All those things. Is there any sort of hesitation in your mind telling you maybe he's not proven, maybe he can't do it, or, or is he the guy 
one A, no questions asked. How, how, what's your confidence level in Bennington? Uh, pretty high. I mean, you go into Boston on the road in Game Seven, and I think he made thirteen saves in the first period. Yeah. The Bruins were set up to win that game and dominated the first period. To me, I thought he should have won the Conn Smythe based on that period alone. Yeah. Because if he doesn't stand on his head, they don't win that cup. So do I have confidence in him? Heck yeah. The, I think the thing that most Blues fans would say about goaltending is, gosh, Jake Allen's making a lot of money at four <laughs> point something uh, to be the backup. All right, Brad Lee from St. Louis Game Time. Thank you so much for joining me on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast today. Anytime, Jay. It was fun. Thank you. That was Brad Lee of St. Louis Game Time giving us a great preview of the St. Louis Blues. Make sure to follow him on Twitter, GT Brad Lee, St. Louis Game Time. Dot com. Check them out if you want to read up on the St. Louis Blues with a laugh, with a little bit of comedy, some satire, really good stuff over on that publication. But that's it for the first episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. It's done. It's in the books, and we're going to have one for you every single day. Make sure you subscribe. iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast, Locked on Blackhawks is there Make sure you subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. It all helps. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Blackhawks. Send me an email, LockedOnBlackhawks at gmail.com. Get those voicemails in too, 708-653-0572, 708-653-0572 to submit your voicemail. We'll get you on the podcast, hopefully starting a week from today on our very first Mailbag Monday. But until next time, my name is Jay Zawoski. This is Locked On Blackhawks on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks a lot for listening.